Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue our verse-by-verse journey. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. As Paul exhorts Timothy to continue on with the public proclamation of Scripture, exhorting, encouraging the believers to apply their lives to the text, teaching, watching his life and doctrine closely, he goes on to say, don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. So he has this gift of teaching and it's not to be taken lightly and it's not to be neglected. What would it look like to neglect one's gift? I believe, first of all, just to not use that gift. That's one aspect of it. Don't neglect that gift. Also, don't, uh, don't, don't cease to study. Okay? Uh, as pastors, I don't know if this term has made it here to the Pacific Northwest, but in, in the South, I heard it all the time among pastors and pastor conferences. Sugar sticks. It's this idea that like you've got this one sermon that you're really, really good at. <laughs> and you just like take that one sermon and you just preach it really, really well. It's kind of the exact practice of a stand-up comedian, actually, where stand-up comedians will go and they'll try something out and they'll gauge the crowd's laughter and then they'll refine it and then go into another small club and they'll try it and then they'll gauge the laughter and kind of rewrite and rework it. And just through trial and error and an iterative process, what they end up with is the the special that gets filmed on Netflix. And that's, that's how a stand-up comedian really arrives and how it really, really works is they just try it and they test and approve it until their 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 routine gets better and better and then they go back and they write new material and start all over again they go back to the small clubs and they'll test it and this this is this is not a good model for for preaching (laughs) all right like stand-up comedy and preaching to the uninformed eye might look identical but they could not be any more different they're radically radically different from one from one another both of them involve somebody getting up and standing in front of a crowd and talking through a microphone the stand-up comedian has a bottle of water on a black spray-painted stool. Have you ever noticed that? It's always the same stool, uh, and, and like the bottle of water is of no help. I think that stand-up comedians have it way harder than pastors do. But what, uh, what the pastor has is nothing short of the inspired word of God. It's no contest. Even if he botches the delivery, God's still gonna move. I've seen it. I've seen sermons delivered in front of crowds that would not have passed a first semester hermeneutics test, but the Lord uses it and the altar just floods with people and like 12 people get saved and, and, and people are called to, you know, to missions as a result of this, this incoherent sermon. Like it doesn't matter. You can botch the delivery and the Holy Spirit will not return void when the word is, of God is proclaimed. So it's way easier to be a pastor because we have more than a bottle of water on a stool, we have the word of God in a book. It's amazing, it's absolutely amazing. But you can't then, just in an iterative process, preach the exact same sermon over and over and over again. You have to constantly then study. You have to study the word of God. This is part of partly where the diaconate comes in because the deacons are there and they serve in the original context of the book of Acts, they freed up pastors to be able to study and to be able to go out and proclaim and preach the word. If you neglect your gift, it means you're not studying the Bible. You're not prepping. You may just be giving stale bread to people because you're just recycling the same sermon over and over again. This is something that's difficult, especially now in the in a, in a church planting sense, you know, where I no longer have a staff of 50 people to help me. I've got to do a lot more work. I've got a team and they work really hard, but in the church planting context, I still end up doing a lot of other work that I didn't do before. And so it, it, that ends up eating away my, my study time, it ends up sometimes getting, taking away time from my family or it, it really the, 
what ends up, what I end up doing is sacrificing sleep because <laughs> I've, I've got to, I can't neglect it. I've got to make sure that I, I do the time and the word. You know, if I, if I, if I listen to the Bible over and over and over again, while I'm driving or while, while I'm riding a bike or working out or whatever, that's, I, I can't neglect this because if you just let your gift atrophy, then it affects the whole church. Don't neglect the gift. Okay, if you're, if you're one of those pastors who you're just kind of in cruise control and your church has been staying the same for a long time and it's comfortable and you don't rock the boat, I think you're neglecting your teaching gift. Uh, I, you know, the timing is not right for me right now, but I, I don't want to stop studying. Um, my wife will be mad at me for saying this, but I want to go get another doctorate. I want to just keep piling up doctorates. And it's not because, not because I, w I want to have uh, a bunch of letters and, and dots behind my name and commas and all that. It's because I don't want to neglect the gift. I don't want to get to a point where it's like, you know what? I think I've arrived. <laughs> like if I ever feel that way, um, my preaching has just tanked because uh, I've sinned. Like, no, I don't, I don't ever want to stop studying, but I, I don't ever want to stop, stop learning. Likewise, you don't neglect that gift that is in you and how did it arrive? It was given through prophecy. That's a proclamation of, of God's word. Before the Bible canon was complete in the book of Revelation, if you, would if you were to prophesy, that would necessarily entail the foretelling of events that had yet to come to pass. And so to prophesy before the year 89 AD, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you were to predict things that were gonna happen that hadn't happened yet. But now because scripture is sealed, prophecy no longer includes telling you what the winning lottery numbers were. That would be great. It would actually help us a lot when it comes to fundraising for missions and stuff. So here we are. This is what we currently have to prophesy now is to preach the word of God. But through prophecy, it was spoken over Timothy that he would have this gift. And the, the elders, the council of elders, the pastors in Paul's company all came and laid hands on Timothy. This is why we do this. There's nothing magic about the laying on of the hands. This act of laying hands on is some symbolic of solidarity. It's an expression. And it's, it's something that carries great power. It also makes a statement if you're laying hands on someone, you're expressing publicly trust in this, this man that you're ordaining to be a pastor. So when we as the Redemption Church, we lay hands on a man that we're, we're entrusting to be a pastor, we're trusting him. And we're coming forward to validate him. We're saying this man is a pastor. And we're laying hands on him before God. We're told to be not too hasty in doing this. Okay, if, if a guy shows up at the Redemption Church, we've known him for five minutes, and he's like, I'm a pastor. We're not gonna be quick to like, okay, great, let's rally the church and lay hands on you and ordain you as a pastor. No, we're going to, as the text instructs us, to, to test him. I, I've, uh, I, I've been a part of this before and uh, I've, I've put guys through the ringer theologically, you know, to make sure that they're, they're, they're true to the, to the word of God. And then also you, gotta, you, have to, you have to know their character and their heart. And that's that's the main, one of the main things you're really ordaining um, is, is the man's heart. Is it devoted toward the Lord? Um, does he meet the standard and is his heart in it? So you're, you're not hasty in laying on hands. You've got to test a man. You've got to test a man. Uh, but there's a beautiful there, there's, there's a beautiful thing when you see the, the church just knows, like this guy's been called to be a pastor. The pastors, the other pastors at the church rally around him and lay hands on him. And either he's going to serve in some capacity as a pastor on the staff of that church, or you're going to send him out. And, and he's going to be a pastor. He's going to plant another church. He's going to serve at another church. That's great because that's a, a multiplicative effect. We need this. Okay, Redemption Church, pray that we get to experience this firsthand more and more. We've already got one guy uh, who is currently testing the calling to be a pastor at the Redemption Church. Pray that we get more and more and more of these. 
because um, it's really stinking hard to plant churches here and we need more churches in the Seattle area especially. We're very, very severely under-churched here. There were three other church plants in the Bellevue area when the Redemption Church started. All three of those are gone now. It's just us at the time of recording. So pray that we get to send out more pastors, send out more pastors, send out more pastors. Pray that you get to be a part of one of these events where there's this laying on of hands by the elders to give someone this gift of prophecy to go out and to preach the word of God because we've got a lot of people to reach here.